Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. You have to power me on to say, say the phrase. Tur- Kirk, turn on. Hello, hello. Oh, no. This isn't... What, what are we doing? What is this? I am a robot, your co-host, Kirk. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Wow. That's cool, man. Er... <laughs> What is the hand? What is the glove? As you know, robots do not have real hands. <laughs> this is what a robot <laughs> would think. I don't is think hands. so. That's like what the hamburger helper guy would look like. That's <laughs> uh, that's listen. What a robot. Listen, looks like. I am wearing a white glove that Sonic wears for his hands. Um, we're going to be reviewing Megan later this week. And yes. what, one critique I have is that she has the craziest looking hands. These, you know, flesh colored gloves that they had the actors wear. And it looks absolutely bonkers. But I didn't have a flesh colored glove cam. I didn't have time. Well, nobody does because that's horrifying. I I can honestly <laughs> say I don't remember seeing or looking at her hands even one time while watching that oh. movie. Like not even one single time. I don't remember what happened in the rest of the movie. I was just watching her two <laughs> creepy hands. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'll have to I'll have to go back and check that out because I seriously <laughs> had no idea. Um, also, as as great as your robot voice is, that's not exactly what Megan sounded like. So I'm gonna deduct points for authenticity there. Oh man, well I, <sighs> you you went with it. more the, uh, you know. Danger Will Robinson interpretation of a robot there. <laughs> I did. And I, I appreciate that. I can definitely appreciate that. That's how I typically choose to play a robot. Um, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> robots are more advanced now, Kirk. They're, they sound more like Siri than they do the, the Will Robinson guy. I didn't want to spoil the magic of the Megan voice for our yes. listeners. So I just went full on classic, you know, uh, just garbage robot voice. Yes, I love it. I love it. Um, so thank you for that. Kirk is right. We are reviewing Megan, uh, or however, I mean, it's, it's called Megan, but it's like M3 GAN or whatever. Cause it stands yes. for model three generation Android or something like that. Um, Good job. and we'll be reviewing that film later this week. It is a smash hit $12 million budget. It's already made $45 million globally in its first weekend. So that is considered a huge success. Take notes, Babylon. This is how you make money in the movie theater. Uh, so that Let's we roast all the movies that only had like a 1% return. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll be talking about that film this week uh, on our review episode. But in this episode, we are going to be talking about something else. And it's, it is, uh, well, it's my least favorite time of the year, Kirk. And that's because it's, uh, it's now time for what? What, t- what time is it, Kirk? It's time for the Golden Globes. It's time for the Golden Globes. And if you have listened to this show, you know probably a few things about me. One of them being that I hate the Golden Globes. I hate it. I hate the Golden Globes. In fact, when uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association met its maker a few years ago, and it turned out that their award show didn't just suck, but it was also uh, full of bigotry, and they went down and they were off the air. I was so happy. We had one year where they just like tweeted out the Golden Globes winners and it was the best thing ever. And so I 
you know, actively try to not pay attention to the Golden Globes personally. But here we are. We run a, a movie and TV podcast, so I guess we have to talk about it. Kirk, what are, what's your take on the Globes? Was this the one when we first started the podcast where we did the Oreo challenge? Was this the yes, same one? Yes, because they were golden Oreos. Yes, that's right. That is right. What a clever bit, us two it youngins was, back it was in 2019. Every prediction you got wrong, you had to eat a golden Oreo, which equated yes. to like a lot of golden Oreos. And Kirk, being a, a masochist or something, bought double stuffed i was like dude what are you doing i like i cannot hang with this at all and i i didn't make it very far i made it like five golden oreos in and i was done for yeah and i kept doing it because this weird part of me thought like well what if someone like fact checks this like 30 years later and they say you didn't eat those oreos kirk yeah uh, i ate like 26 something double you did you did oreos i was like i was gonna say 26 or 27 it was it was yeah amazing to behold you're you're one you're a guy who can like do sweets though i'm I'm not a big sweets person um now if it was like potato chips or something we we'd have ourselves a contest we should do that i thought you were gonna stop at potatoes like if it was potatoes potatoes a couple golden idaho potatoes for the golden globes let's let's fire it up um but no we (laughs) you heard it first tomorrow night ladies and gentlemen no no uh but yes the globes are tomorrow night and so, in this episode, we are going to reluctantly discuss the Golden Globes and everything there is to know heading into the award show. Now, it's not an irrelevant award show, okay? I have to give it credit where credit is due. It is one of the two or three major film and television award shows that is broadcast nationally uh, with along with the Emmys and the Oscars. And it is strategically placed just a couple of months before the Oscars. And so it is the first real taste we get of movie award season prior to the Oscars on a national scale. So it is that. And you get, you know, if you're, if you're like Kirk and you like the glitz and the glamour and the pageantry, you get all that too, um, which I can appreciate. I understand. I understand it. So um, we are going to stick on the film side because I, I don't know my personal opinion. And I think Kirk, we kind of agree on this is that like the television awards are second fiddle at the golden globes. And really it's like the Emmys are the Emmys and and the globes are really just kind of like for people to see if something might do well at the Oscars, you know, that's, that's how I view it. All right. Well, let's get into it, Kirk. Instead of what's popping this week, we're going to do golden globes preview so that you're all ready for the big show tomorrow night. So this is the 80th golden globes awards. Here's what we're going to do, Kirk. We're going to spin through the major categories, acting, directing, uh, best, best picture. We're going to spin through those. And I just want to hear observations. I don't, I don't necessarily need picks. We, you know, there will be picks and you can certainly give your pick, but I just want to hear observations. When you're looking at the slate of actors that's on the screen or the slate of films that's on the screen, um, what jumps out to you, whatever. One thing to call out for listeners who may be newer fans of film or new to the Globes, because again, the Globes suck, so maybe you never watched them before, um, is that they do this weird thing where they split the film categories into drama and comedy or musical. Because as we all know, there are only two types of films, 
films that are dramas and films that are comedies and or musicals. Isn't that right, Kirk? Facts. That's facts, facts. right? That's lesson number one. If you're new to film, that's all. That's that's important. Uh, also, their definition of comedy or musical is shockingly strange and and uh it gets it seems to get weirder every year so we'll see if that holds true this year so uh they do the acting awards that way as well except for supporting actor so supporting actor is everything and then everything and then the uh the major lead acting uh awards are divided into drama and comedy or musical all right kirk this is for fun yep let's get into it let's start with supporting actress We've got a, a, just a stacked slate. We've got Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, the only superhero movie nominee on the on the table, um, on the ballot. Carrie Condon from The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis from Everything Everywhere All at Once, Dolly DeLeon from She Said, and Carrie Mulligan for her performance, or sorry, Dolly DeLeon for Triangle of Sadness and Carrie Mulligan for her performance in She Said. Kirk, what jumps out to you here in this category? That's a strong category. That's going to actually be a really, uh, just a, a battle to the end here. Because, Contentious, yes. Yeah, I don't know. Like, they're all, not to to diminish anyone's skill or talent or longevity in the business, they're just all very good in their performances. I've seen most of these, and it's going to be, not a bloodbath, but it'll be it'll be exciting whoever wins in this particular category. Yeah, the one thing that jumps out to me is, I, you know, and this is no disrespect to Jamie Lee Curtis, it's just, it feels to me, because the Globes is much more, in my opinion, of a popularity contest than the Oscars, there's still a lot of politicking, a lot of politicking involved in the Oscars, but with the Globes, it's it really is just kind of a popularity contest where it seems like the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, if they don't, like... Have they haven't seen the movie? They're just going to vote for the person whose name they recognize. And True. I feel like no disrespect to Jamie Lee Curtis, but I feel like her, uh, you know, fellow cast member Stephanie Sue should have been the one to be nominated for a supporting actor for that film for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I just feel like if you're gonna, if you're gonna, I mean, obviously you've got you've got Michelle Yeoh holding it down in the lead lead role. Ki Hui Kwan, who's nominated later, we'll we'll talk about him in supporting actor. But if you're looking for another performance, Jamie Lee Curtis has a really fun role in that movie. But I think the one who's kind of steals the show is is Stephanie Sue to me. Yeah, Stephanie Sue, great point, great point. Um, she 100% drives that movie. She, I mean, you got Michelle Yeoh in the driver's seat, and I mean, r- sitting on her lap, uh, you know, is Stephanie Sue. So it has to be that Jamie Lee Curtis has not given. Um, a stellar performance, sorry, in quite a while. And I Mm -hmm. think people were super surprised by her that they're like, holy cow, look at her. She's having fun. She is just like diving into this. That might be the reason that she's sitting here today. I do not anticipate her being anywhere near uh, the best actress category or best supporting actress category at the Academy Awards, but eh, whatever. Doesn't it, it's not offensive that she's there, but you have a absolute valid point. Yeah, and I feel like looking around this category, I mean, Carrie Condon is is perhaps the favorite here, just based on all of the performances. Um, but Angela Bassett absolutely acts her tail off in Wakanda Forever and gives a really powerful performance. And uh, I haven't seen she said yet. It's it's actually now streaming on Peacock, so I plan to 
rectify that in short order, as I'm sure you do as well, Kirk. But um, Dolly DeLeon in, in Triangle of Sadness, to, if, if she wins the Golden Globe for that award or for that role, that will be – I think she would personally find that hilarious because it's such a hilarious part. Like, it is the most insane satirical role that there is. And I just – I, I, I just would love that for her. And I, you know, I think she's, I think all these women are absolutely deserving of whoever gets it, like you said, but um, there are some great storylines depending on who takes it home. I think. Absolutely. All right, let's move over to the males. Let's talk about best supporting actor. We've got two, two actors from the Banshees of Anna Sharon in this category being Brendan Gleeson and Barry Keown, uh, Brad Pitt for his performance in Babylon, Ki Hui Kwan, who I just mentioned, um, from everything, everywhere, all at once, and Eddie Redmayne uh, for the Good Nurse, uh, which was uh, was that Netflix. exclusively on Netflix, Kirk? I believe it was. Yeah, I do believe it was. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think about this lineup here? I lied. It had it did have a full release. I remember seeing it on on the options. Um, really? I don't know if it released the same weekend. It might have premiered at Netflix and a, a small. Um, a small subset of theaters and then expanded for a wider release. I do know that it was available in our theater here in middle America. So, so yeah, they must've thought they must've thought it could get some Oscars play, you know? Yeah. I mean, I prefer Jessica Chastain's performance to his most days, but Agreed. it was kind, kind of like Jamie Lee Curtis. It was like, Hey, Eddie Redmayne is back. He's kind of like really trying again. He was on autopilot for some years and they're like, People like to see this guy in in, in the awards uh, circuit and in the suits and and shaking hands. Let's get him up there again. He is a best actor winner. Um, so yeah, this one this one's easy for me. These five, it's going to Kihui Kwan for everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, Brendan and Barry they split the vote unfortunately for Banshees of Sharon and Brad Pitt for Babylon didn't get good reviews unfortunately. So it's got to go to Kihui Kwan because I mean his return uh, to to cinema and to film. That's gotta be it. That's for me. I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's a runaway. I think it would be, I would be shocked if it's anybody else. And that actually, that goes for the Oscars as well. I don't know if we'll have the same, I'm expecting a slightly different slate of actors, uh, for the Oscars, but, um, Kihui Kwan should be the one to take home the, the award, regardless of who he's up against based on the fact that, um, what he does in that movie is really special. I think yeah. he he plays a ton of different versions of the same character, and he he just attacks it with such passion, and his range is all over the place, and it's it's just excellent. So, um, and the last time we saw him, he was a child actor. Right, like we didn't yes. get to see him grow and fail. Like he he stepped out of the spotlight and then just exploded back onto the screen in yes. what is to be considered a favorite film of all time. Like that is such an accomplishment. I'm so excited for him. He has to run away with this. If the Hollywood foreign press association or the Academy deprives us of that acceptance speech, I will riot. I will, I will start a rebellion. Like him will burn down the golden. It will be, it will be, (laughs) it will be such a good speech, right? Like I think he's got such a great story. If you've read anything about kind of his journey, over the past, you know, 30 or so years since he's been in the spotlight as a child actor. And, um, it's, it's really cool. So really, really pulling for him. All right. We're going to move out of best supporting. And this is into the, uh, the awards that are divided into genre categories. Okay. So buckle up. This is where things get 
This is where things get weird, okay? Um, so let's start with best actress, comedy or musical. We've got uh, Leslie Manville, um, Margot Robbie, and Leslie Manville is for Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Um, yes. Margot Robbie for Babylon, Anya Taylor-Joy for uh, The Menu, Emma Thompson, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I don't even remember the name of the film that Emma Thompson is nominated for, but this is what I'm talking about with the gloves. This is a perfect example right here. It's like Emma Thompson. (laughs) Everybody knows Emma Thompson. Fabulous actor has been in tons of things. um, Does a great job. You know, I I think I've seen her most recently in Cruella and it's like, yeah, bang on great job. You you nailed it. Um, And so I I feel like her name pops up on the list of, of candidates and the HFPA is just like, Yep, that sounds right. Emma Thompson. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't judge, but seriously, like, this is wacky. Yeah, her movie was a Hulu exclusive, which, you know, that's not weird anymore, uh, but it, it was no, a movie yeah. called Good Luck to You, Leo Gra- Grande, Grande, I don't know, something like that. Um, it has a risque scene in it, and that was, like, kind of its biggest claim to fame. Like, Ooh. look at Emma Thompson, look at her being vulnerable, um, and it's apparently it's a beautiful scene. I've not seen this film. Um, but, I mean, I would have nominated her for Matilda the Musical. That's just me. Trunchbull. Yes. yes. No no Matilda love in this, in this slate. Uh, Kirk, your reaction to that? Cowards. Just... I know. It's, it's comedy or musical. This is the perfect opportunity. I mean, they need to... It is literally both. The movie is literally both. <laughs> it's both. Yes. It's a comedy and a musical. And some of these movies that they have nominated aren't comedies or musicals. So what exactly <laughs> are we doing here is the question. That is the real question. But huh. I, I do always wonder kind of like how they split it out because I think that, you know, there are a few of these that like I just, you know, I, like, where does horror fall? Drama, I guess, you know, because, like, there's, you know, potential, in my opinion, for a, for a, a Mia Goth nomination. I, I yeah. guess horror would fall into drama. I don't really know. But whenever you split it out into categories by genre, it just gets super weird. Um, but for me, I really am really, really, really hoping Michelle Yeoh wins because my opinion on the... Academy Awards race is that it's Kate Blanchett and it's not close. Uh, personally, I, I like, I think, and, and that's again, no disrespect to any of the other nominees, but what Kate Blanchett, the role that Kate Blanchett got and what she was able to do with it in tar was insane. And even though Michelle Yeoh is incredible and I think that everything everywhere all at once should be the front runner for all of the things. Um, which I hate that I just said that, but for, for all of the movie awards, I think that Kate Blanchett's going to win. And so this might be Michelle Yeoh's big national stage chance to win the award for best actress. And uh, I think it would be great. I would love that. I would also, I want them to just cement, you know, you get these big movies and you're like, I just want them to cement this in history as the goat for that particular year. And yeah, you know, we want it to win the big five at the Oscars that, that we would love a third film to accomplish this. And we want to see the track, like the path towards that. So, I mean, Kate Blanchett, you're great. Awesome. You've redeemed yourself in my eyes. Once I rewatched fi- or finally watched the aviator, I got you. <laughs> Michelle Yeoh 
deserves her her spot in the spotlight and she for, does for best actress and i think it's just her year it's just her year it could be i mean she, it, it's it's a great story she's been in the biz forever she has aged like fine wine absolutely getting better roles and, and refining her craft and just being awesome she works her tail off she's in so many movies like yes the number of credits that she has is insane and it would just be awesome. Like she was in Minions: Rise of Gru this year too. Like it's it's crazy the number of movies that this woman does, um, and it would be great. And and I, I know that people will be, you know, fans of everything everywhere will be upset if she doesn't get the Oscar because Kate Blanchett has won before, which should not be a thing that like uh, keeps other it's people. It, it shouldn't keep you from winning another one, but people do view it that way. They do. Yes, um, but we'll see. We'll see. Here. She has won two. Just a reminder, she has won Best Supporting and Best Actress. Yes. So, which is great. She can win another one, but I really want Michelle Yeoh to win this year. It would be it would be a good story <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, let's move over to Best Actor Comedy or Musical. We've got the breakout star Diego Calva for uh, Babylon, Daniel Craig for Glass Onion, Adam Driver for White Noise, which we just reviewed last week. You can find that on YouTube or your favorite podcast provider. Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Inisherin and Ray Fiennes for the Menu. So we get uh, a pair of. Oh wait, 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 wait! I was just saying horror. The Menu is more horror than comedy. Wouldn't you agree? One hundred percent is not a comedy. That movie is not a comedy. It has funny moments there, to yeah. ease the discomfort you're going to watch, which most horror movies do. You know, there there are a lot of there like. I always think of horror as kind of a subgenre of comedy personally, because it's kind of like absurdist. It's exaggerated. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes you react um, physically to what's happening. So it feels more like a comedy to me. Um, but yeah, we were just talking about, you know, Mia Goth and, in Pearl and uh, X and things like that. So surprised to see, you know, the menu, I liked the menu. I, you know, I, I thought it was good, but uh, it gets a pair of nominations here at the Globes, which is uh, which is interesting. It sure does. It sure does. This group, I mean, these are your leading men. I do not know Diego Calva, um, but exciting for him for his maybe his first nomination. Uh, all the other guys have been here before. They'll be here again. I mean, my my money is on Colin Farrell uh, representing Ireland because that movie just is fantastic uh i don't think it goes to adam driver i don't think it goes to daniel craig so it's between diego colin and ray fines for me yeah and if i can remember correctly i i feel like daniel craig was nominated the, for the first knives out as well at the globes if oh uh, maybe like, i know anna de Armas was and i i thought maybe he was nominated as well for knives out but um the Globes love the Knives Out movies, as it turns as it turns out, and and you know what's not to love? They're they're great movies. Um, I yeah, I'm, I'm on Colin Farrell for this one. I thought he was insanely good in The Banshees of Anna Sharon. I think he's, you know, if you're looking at all the male acting performances, probably not the top of the mountain because you've got a couple of like super transformative performances at the top there that are just like built to win awards, um, which we'll talk about later, but. Colin Farrell's performance in Banshees is awesome, uh, funny, tragic, all, all so many. It's so nuanced and, and and excellent. So that's that's who I would give the award to as well. I have to agree. Beautiful. All right, moving on to drama, best actress drama. This is where the heavy hitters are right here. We've got Kate Blanchett for Tar, Olivia Coleman for Empire of Light. 
Viola Davis for The Woman King, Anna de Armas for Blonde, and Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. My reaction to this category, I have seen all these films with the exception of Empire of Light. Um, the Blonde thing, first of all, that movie is horrific to watch. I I do not recommend it at all. It's it's First of all, I, I don't think it's a very effective movie at delivering whatever point it is that it's trying to make. Um, secondly, the, the Anna de Armas thing is, is, uh, confusing to me because she is clearly working really hard and is acting to the best of her ability, which is a very high level. She has amazing acting ability. The problem is for me, you can still hear her accent and I don't know, like, like no matter what happens, you can still hear it. And so for me, that you, you can't be, even if you're, if you're doing your absolute best and you're and in some ways you're, you're, you're totally channeling Marilyn Monroe the way that you can, it's still, it still pauses the suspension of disbelief because you can hear the accent. And so you're going, Oh, that's Anna de Armas. You know, I don't, I don't know. I like, there's a lot of people who think that she should be up for a major award consideration, but I think if you can hear the accent and it doesn't sound exactly like the person, like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Like I, I, I respect ex- what she's, what she's doing there. And I think that she looked a lot like her and, and everything, but I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm alone on this one. No, no. I mean, there are people who I think just want her to win because of the, the narrative of how artistic that movie is quote unquote artistic, you know, very subjective. <laughs> uh, I think that I don't even care if now I'm not seeing the movie, but I don't care if you don't nail the voice. If you get like the essence of the voice, but when you are going for it, then you you have to get your your vocalizations gone. If it slips out here or there, that happens. But if it's significant, like you're mentioning, then there's a problem, unfortunately. So I think that they wanted to nominate her for maybe the trauma that she endured for that movie. I heard that was a terrible uh, shoot and oh very... Gosh very rough uh very rough script and uh yeah i don't think she wins this i think it goes to kate so you know good work for the art anna <laughs> but i think kate uh, is just going to run away with this one as well yeah i i mean i think it's kate blanchett by by landslide like i said earlier um michelle williams is awesome in fablemans uh viola davis is awesome in the woman king oh my gosh that movie is so cool and she's she continues to do amazing new things. And that movie feels like something that should be like way outside her comfort zone. And the way that she just walks in and owns it is, is legendary. She is a living legend. And, um, so it's, it's stiff competition, but I think it's gotta be Kate Blanchett. I, I really feel like it has to be. All I want them to do, uh, when they announce the, the nominees is that I want them to play the Dawson's Creek theme song when they announce Michelle Williams, because, <laughs> just a reminder that she was on that show for the entirety of its series. And it still blows my mind from whence she came. She's the only one that came out of that show with the best career. Joshua Jackson is kind of resurging, but he's been in some terrible projects as of late and everyone else is just kind of, I don't know, uh, (laughs) just not doing, not thriving like Michelle Williams is. So bravo to her again. Yeah. Uh, oh, and she played Marilyn Monroe in a movie not too long ago with Kenneth Branagh. Uh, directing, yeah, what was that movie know? called? Uh, my Day with Marilyn Monroe my, or yeah, My Life. My, my friend. Oh, what, oh, no. What is it? What is it? 
my day with Marilyn, wasn't it? Or my something like that. Can you hear me typing for the podcast? No, I suspense? can't, but I, I trust you to find it. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I totally forgot about that movie. Cause it got some awards buzz too. that one. My week with Marilyn, the whole week, ladies and gentlemen. Is that what's called? It is my week with Marilyn. Oh, yeah. weird. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, it's an interesting category. I haven't seen Empire of Light, so I can't rate Olivia Coleman again. It, it feels like people are like Olivia Coleman. Check. She <laughs> she was in a movie, and therefore she gets nominated. <laughs> but you know, I don't want to. That's that's actually not. A, a, you know, that's not me digging on Olivia Coleman. I think she's fantastic. I think it's the opposite of that. It's like, she's so good. We nominate her just for being alive, you know? Right. So, okay. Best actor drama. Can I first just say that trying to find a picture of Austin Butler that isn't a blatant <laughs> thirst trap is impossible. <laughs> this picture in this slide is the least thirst trappy picture that you can find of this dude. I don't get it. Yeah. And I still feel like for our listeners only, it feels like he is like, I don't know, blowing it in your ear through the screen still. (laughs) Yeah. He's using, he's using like uh, telekinesis or something. Well, telekinesis is when you move things with your mind, but you know, he's using telepathy to make you feel his presence. Even if you can't see the photo, it's, it's terrifying. Like I'm scared to look him straight in the eyes. Like I'll turn into stone or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I tried for probably the better part of 10 minutes to find one like non seductive photo of, of Austin Butler. And this was the best one I could come up with. And honestly, most people would still describe that as a thirst trap. So, you know, Austin Butler keeps saying that he spent three years away from his family practicing Elvis, but I think he was just, (laughs) Practicing being sexy. He yeah. Like, you- <laughs> Tyra Banks probably like zoomed in yes. with him and said, let's do this, Austin. I'm going to get you to smize like no one ever has. He before. was practicing. Yes, that's exactly right. He was practicing his modeling. That's what he was doing. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's paying off Oscar or Austin. It's paying off in, in big ways. Um, so Austin Butler for Elvis, Brendan Fraser for the whale Hugh Jackman for the sun, which has not released in theaters yet, which is a bummer. That's, that's the other thing you get with the globes a lot. It's like, <laughs> and, uh, Sarah Polly nominated for women talking, which isn't in theaters until January 20th. And it's like, right. okay, that's cool. I guess, um, Bill Nighy for living and Jeremy Pope for a movie called the inspection, which, uh, I have not seen. So here we are, Kirk, um, you know, Thinking about this again, the Globes as a you know a potential sort of predictive tool for the Academy Awards, I think it's safe to assume that Austin Butler and Brendan Fraser will both be on you know should be on the nominee list for the Academy Awards, and I think it's you know kind of a two horse race between those two for for the big award. Where are you leaning on that? I lean right towards that thirst trap, Austin Butler. I am hypnotized and I cannot stop watching his just sincere dedication to that project, to Elvis, the man, the legend. It's it's just incredible. It's incredible work. You know, we gave uh, Jamie Foxx the Oscar for his 
absolutely impeccable mimicry in uh, for Ray back in 2004, yes. eight, whatever year that was. And I think this is a very similar situation. It's just absolutely incredible. It's lightning in a bottle. And I think he wins it. Yeah, man, I have to agree. Uh, it pains me to say that because uh, the Brendan Fraser renaissance is the best thing ever. Um, I'm so happy about it. I, I love that he's back and I, I love that he's showing <clears throat> showing people what he's capable of and <clears throat> just being amazing. The whale was, was quite a performance. I mean, truly transformational, absolutely knock you off your feet kind of performance. It was, it was really good, but the way that Austin Butler transformed into Elvis and, and the, the level of detail in that performance and, you know, the, the amount of work that goes into that with the costume and the wardrobes and, and learning all the stages of Elvis's life. I mean, that movie covers a massive span of Elvis's life. He has to be on point all the way through and, Every Boz Lerman movie it sort of feels like it could fall apart at any moment because it's so bold and so ambitious. And Austin Butler was quite literally the glue that held held that movie together. So yeah, um, Boz Lerman films they feel like uh, you know uh, Super Nintendo, Donkey Kong, the uh, the mind uh, kind of jumping. Yes, the tracks. Yes. <laughs> like, like I don't Whoa. know if I'm gonna make that. Jump at a 65 degree angle. <laughs> yeah, that's what that feels like for sure. Uh, I think that uh, this is just, you know, give give Brendan the uh, Brendan Fraser, who is incredible, an incredible human. Give him the spotlight here and let him take it away next year with a role uh, that is equally as powerful and something that he can really, really just dive into as well. But Austin, man. He's got to have it. Otherwise, I think he might break into a thousand pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Brendan Fraser's still young. Uh, this could be a chance for him to just kind of like revitalize his career, get a few projects. Um, too bad we don't get to see him in Batgirl. That could have been cool, but yeah. um, he'll he'll have his shot again, hopefully. And uh, I think that's what sucks, though, is that like Austin Butler has, has a good long while to take a crack at this thing, whereas Brendan Fraser doesn't have quite as long. So... Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. We're down to the final three awards. So we're going to do best director followed by best picture comedy or musical and best picture drama. Let's start with best director. The nominees are James Cameron for avatar, the way of water Daniels, which is what they're referred to in the credits. Their actual names are Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan, uh, for everything, everywhere, all at once. Steven Spielberg for the Fablemans. Boz Lerman for Elvis and Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Inisherin. Your thoughts, Kirk? This is tough. This is very tough. It can go any direction, absolutely any direction. We have uh, several people, if not all of them, have one best director, except for Daniels. I think the the other four have indeed one best director. Is that correct? Do you know? And I don't know. Are you talking about the? The Academy Awards or the or the Globes? Uh, forget the Globes. The Academy. <laughs> the, I uh, the Academy. don't think so. Okay, but I'll look okay. it up. I'll look it up. And uh, I I don't know. I'm drawn between. This is tough, but I'm drawn between Daniels and Martin McDonough. 
Drawn Between Everything Everywhere All at Once and Banshees of Inisherin. Um, I think the other movies had their shortcomings, even though I have still not seen The Fablemans at the time of this recording. And looking at it, at a, just like, you know, you have to make a decision, Kirk. I have to go with Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mark McDonough's film, incredible. But I don't know that any one else in this world could have pulled that movie off except for that dynamic duo. Yeah, so if we're looking at Academy Awards, Boz Lerman has not won a directing Oscar. He won for Best Picture. Mark okay. McDonough has not won um, a directing Oscar. He's won for Screenplay. Um, okay. And James Cameron, I don't believe, has won a directing Oscar. Or oh. no, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Titanic, though? Did he get Titanic. On Titanic? Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Titanic and... Aliens. He went for Avatar? Hold on. Hold, hold on, our lives are being rewritten as we hold, speak. Hold the phone. Hold the phone here. <laughs> so he we won for... Spielberg's he, won six times. He won for Titanic. Yeah, Spielberg. That uh, goes without saying. He's... Yeah. Uh, He's done the dang thing quite a few times. No, he did not. He was nominated at the 2010 Oscars for for uh, for for Avatar. But he wow! He so so in this list, officially best director only Steven Spielberg. That's correct. With a win. Wow, that's, that's incredible. correct. And 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 James Cameron's the only other one to be to have been nominated. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty wild. I did not anticipate that. I am, I am uh, a little shamefaced, but Martin McDonough okay. is, is a writer director and, and emphasis on writer, I think is what people kind of view him as, uh, because he always, you know, he always writes the films that he directs and, and does a spectacular yeah. job at it. Um, I'm, I'm going with Daniels here. I, uh, you know, it's, it's quite an, uh, a list of, uh, Hollywood royalty that they're they've got to stacked up against them here, but the movie that they pulled together um, is spectacular and like nothing we've ever seen before, and yet and yet so familiar at the at the same time. Um, it it it's it's magical, and and they had to be exceptionally bold to make the choices that they were making in that film, and they. And they did it, so that's what I give them credit for is the boldness. I think I think there's an argument for James Cameron for the visual stuff that went on in Avatar. And the Globes loved the first Avatar. If I if I remember correctly, I believe Avatar won Best Motion Picture Drama at the Globes in twenty ten. And I'll Disgusting. I'll look that up to verify, but I'm I'm pretty sure it did. I'm pretty sure it did, because I remember being like, Wowzers, that was surprising. <laughs> um all right, moving on to Best Motion Picture Comedy or Musical. The nominees are Babylon, The Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Is that a comedy? I would call it a drama. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, and Triangle of Sadness. Kirk, what, what do you think of this slate? It doesn't make any sense. It is an interesting, yeah, it is an interesting one for sure. It doesn't. I, again, my thoughts give everything everywhere all at once. It's every single award. Um, give it everything. <laughs> uh, the rest of them, that's fine. You got nominated. That's great. You will. Some of you will be nominated for the Academy Awards. Great. 
this this is easy for me. It's absolutely easy. It, there's no contest. Yeah, I I mean, it's uh, I I feel like everything everywhere is just totally miscategorized here. I don't I don't view that movie as a comedy. I think there are, it's zany for sure. But yeah. is it a movie that makes is like designed to make you laugh? I don't remember laughing outrageously at that movie. I mean, there's like the hot dog fingers thing, which is funny. Um, mm-hmm. There are bits, but there, I don't feel like it's its primary or even secondary purpose is to make you laugh. So it's it's weird. Um, is your fear that the miscategorization could hurt it here? No. I, I don't think so. I think it's going to run away with it. I just think that um, I would have liked to have seen how it fared in the drama category, to be honest, because I yeah. think that like that competition is going to be more, you know, I expect Banshees to be nominated at the Oscars. I would be shocked if it wasn't the rest of these. I don't know. Triangle of Sadness could get a nomination. I liked that movie. Ruben Ostlund uh, does a great job um, directing that film. He's a very capable director. Babylon, you know, there's always some movie that is very divisive that makes it into the Oscars, I feel like. There's always, like, one really divisive movie. Um, so maybe maybe it sneaks in, given the fact that it's about kind of, like, old Hollywood and things like that. But I don't think Glass Onion's getting nominated for Best Picture. So I think really, like, everything, everywhere, all at once will have to compete with Banshees, but the rest of these are big question marks at, at the Academy Awards. So... I'll be, I would have been more interested to see it up against the drama slate personally. Yes. Agreed. I mean, I wouldn't put any golden Oreos to any of this because I, you know, 50% uh, win ratio last time. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal. uh, I can't do that again ever. Let's, let's talk about that drama slate and see who made the cut. We've got avatar, the way of water, Elvis, tar, top gun, Maverick, and the fablemans. Huh? Now this is this right here. This is five films I would not be at all surprised to see nominated at the Oscars. You know, I think I think there's there's question marks. You know, on Avatar for sure. I think people would be a little bit surprised if it got nominated. I would not be. And Elvis are the ones where people are like, maybe. But I think Elvis is uh, personally. I think Elvis is for sure getting nominated. Um, and the other, you know, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, and Fablemans. I would be surprised if those ones weren't. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I honestly I do see all these at the Academy Awards top ten. Uh, no contest because of all of the different varying aspects and bullet points that they that they check. And I don't know. It, it depends on the voters. Like this one specifically, above all other ones that we've gone over today, uh, Tar is the one that screams. I am the drama. <laughs> I am the I am yes. the epitome of a a film drama. The rest of them are just so different from one another and so different from what we've, what we would traditionally have. So I I feel like, even though I'm, uh, I always lean toward Elvis. I feel like tar could win this one. Wow. I feel like that would be surprising. My, my outside pick here is avatar. I think avatar could win it. Because again, I think that I think the HFPA loved the first Avatar, <laughs> and I need to double check that. I'm trying to find it on IMDb, but their uh, desktop site is oh, oh, just the worst. Garbaggio compared to the mobile site. The mobile site is 
way better, but um, I'm 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 pretty certain that it that it won the Globe back in 2010. So I would not be surprised to see it win here again. Um, and then I think Top Gun Maverick again, popularity contest. That movie was a massive hit. Um, critics and fans alike loved it. I would not be at all surprised to see that one win. I think the only one I would be surprised to see win. Well, none of them. I think they all. I think they all have a really good shot here. It's, it's a dead heat in my opinion. But Top Gun Maverick and Avatar are the ones that stick out to me as like, that's what's gonna take it home at the Globes, just because of the popularity factor. I hear you. I hear you. Confirmed. Golden Globes, January seventeenth, two thousand ten. Best film and best original score and best director. No, I'm so sorry. Best director and best drama for. The Golden Globes, Avatar won. Yeah, and then and I think it was up against the Hurt Locker, and then the Hurt Locker went on and took Best Director and Best Picture at the Academy Awards because I remember just being like, "What a weird thing that was!" Especially given the history between James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow, that was like a very bizarre back and forth that kind of happened whiplash between the Golden Globes and and uh, the Academy Awards. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, that's all of the major categories at the Golden Globes. We've broken them all down here. We've given some picks. We've given uh, some reactions to the slate. I think, you know, it's it's uh, it's a situation where it's going to be a fun show. There's a lot of, you know, new. there's a lot of new names and new faces that are up for nomination, which is always a good time. There's a, a very diverse slate of movies in terms of genre. Um you know, just composition, really. You look at something like Avatar and, and Tar are completely different films. There's a lot of very, um, just varying degrees of film making on display here. So it should be a good time. And uh, the the awards are back on national television for the first time in a little while. So it'll be something to watch. Kirk, any, any last thoughts heading into the Globes tomorrow? Uh, you know, I'm going to record it. I will watch all of it, even though... Um no one else will (laughs) besides the the people that are there, I guess. And I I'm hoping for a good old uh, Will Smith moment. I don't know. Not him. Oh my, just something that will break the internet. I, I look forward to it. Maybe a Will Smith joke. I, I think there should be some controversy to make the golden globes relevant again. (laughs) Yes. I, I, I always like the, you know, the, the group, the communal moments that we can all share that one big crazy thing happens and everybody's like, Whoa, you know, reacting on Twitter. That's always a good time. Uh, the Will Smith slap was an all time moment on Twitter ever. I like, I, I'll never forget what it was like to be on Twitter immediately as that was happening. And after that was happening, it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know <laughs> if the globes will ever be able to generate something like that for better or worse, but we can hope. We can hope that they find some reason to make us happy. We tuned in tomorrow night, uh, January 10th. If you're listening in podcast form, the Globes are either happening that night or it have happened. So uh, be sure to check those out. Set your DVRs and all of that. And we will see you guys on the other side of the Globes. And we've got our review that Kirk mentioned earlier for Megan. That's going to be dropping later this week on Thursday. So Thursday, January 12th, be sure to look out for our review of Megan and the return of Kirk's uh, 
Michelin Man Hamburger Helper <laughs> gloves to help review that film. But until that time, we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric, who created our original music. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening, and we will see you later for our review of Megan. Talk to you then. Beep boop, beep boop. <laughs>